0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan.
1: Welcome into episode one ninety one of the Natural Hattrick podcast, alongside Jamie Eisner, the
0: Matty Hattie,
1: and on remote Craig
2: Morgan. Can you hear the sounds of the ocean in the background? I, I can. It's very soothing. It's an angry ocean today because it's storming here in Fort Lauderdale, but it's still the ocean.
1: And you're still wearing a swimsuit for some reason.
2: No, oh. no. Although Rick Tockett did joke about wearing a speedo today. So I'm, I'm actually happy that it's storming here in Fort Lauderdale. So That's, none of the Coyotes are sporting Speedos. It's all
1: sorts of disturbing. Uh, I'm Luke Lipinski, and here we go. So Craig is in Florida getting ready for the Coyotes game in two days. Jamie, how are you doing over there?
0: Doing okay. Okay.
1: Wearing a New York, is that a Yankee shirt or just a New York just shirt? A New York
0: just a New York it's, shirt. New York It's not an Eagle shirt.
1: That's <laughs> kind of disappointed. Gentlemen, I believe we have to start with Vinny Hinnestroza, who picked up a
2: Natty Hattie <laughs>
1: and that's how his name will be said from now on. That's how I'm saying it, okay, good. uh George Fowler wrote and we should call him Vieststro to save time.
2: I do like that actually, I like that a lot.
1: I'm surprised that nobody had come up with that yet. It's simple yet inspired, and that's usually the best stuff, so credit
2: well, we're you. not very creative people.
1: no, no, I'm just surprised nobody anywhere came up with it, but uh, we have it now. it's ours patent pending it's our seventy third <laughs> shirt we're not going to make. <laughs> the uh the natural hat trick against anaheim and and that game was was very much in doubt when he picked up the three goals the coyotes though have uh have actually dropped two straight since then craig you're with the team what is the uh the feeling after they played a really good game last night against tampa
2: well look they understand that they need to win uh the, the race has tightened considerably uh chicago picked up a point Minnesota's creeping closer. There are about six teams in the race for three spots right now. So the Coyotes know they need to win, but they were pretty happy with the way they played against Tampa last night. And if you watch the game, you'd understand they had, they had more chances than Tampa. They had more high danger chances. They were very tight defensively. It's just, it's the same thing we've been talking about for a while, guys. They just lack those elite finishers to put in one or two of those chances. And, and part of that, in fairness was the fact that Andre Vasilevsky was in goal.
0: Yeah, I mean you're still encouraged by the effort against what has clearly been the best team in hockey all year that really has not shown any weaknesses in any or any prolonged stretches this season. But yeah, I mean as you talk about the maturation of this team going forward and, and the expectations of where they might be one year, two years, three years down the road, that is a piece they're going to have to have. You're going to have to find a finisher. You're going to have to find someone that will not only take shots but can actually put them into the back of the net. Because as good as they've been playing, that is something that it feels like if they need a goal, if they're down one with two minutes to play in a playoff game and they need somebody to score, I don't know who that person is for them right now. I don't know if they have that singular person right now, and that's a a hole they will have to fill eventually along this timeline of getting back into playoff contention.
2: Well, you hope that one or two of the guys that they have will reach that next level. You hope Alex Galchenia can be that guy with a full season starting from training camp next season, maybe one or two of these younger guys, Clayton Keller, maybe Henestrosa can emerge. But, yeah, this team is still short on that sort of skill. Imagine, w- w- if you will, uh, offershooting uh one of the available RFAs this offseason, Braden Point, Mitch Marner. Wouldn't that be a cool thing if the Coyotes could do that? Too bad they don't have the money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would I would take a, a bona fide goal scorer like either of those guys. Because to Jamie's point, I, I'm at the point now where I watch this Coyotes team. I just said point like nine times in one sentence. Maybe they should just go after Braden yeah. uh, Where I, it, There's not anything I don't think this team can do, except when you're down by a goal with two minutes left, you, you don't find yourself thinking like, oh, so-and-so is going to score and pull them out of this. And, and it's... It's burning them right now because the teams around them in the playoff race, even when they're not winning, they're all losing with a minute left and then coming back and tying the game. Or even Chicago last night with three minutes left came back and tied the game. That's the one element the Coyotes haven't had. Now, to the Coyotes' credit, a lot of these, these situations, they've been in the lead late in these games. But when you're playing a team like Tampa or even Edmonton the other night, I mean, I think the Edmonton loss stings more than the Tampa loss. It'd be nice to just have a guy you can turn to and say, you're double shifting for these final two minutes until you get a goal.
2: This Craig. is where you talk, Jamie. Craig has He's been, been still swept
1: there, there, Jamie. to see, I, I <laughs> no. have nothing to add. Uh, I should also <laughs> throw out Ben Schroyer tweeted in during that Coyotes game, if Henestrosa yeah. gets a natty-hattie, the, we have a real obligation to get him on the show, which I think we could do at some point, but it's not this week because they're in Florida.
2: Can, can you just make a drop-up, uh, you know, for all the drops that we're planning to insert into the show of Jamie saying what he just said? I have nothing to add. Uh,
1: I, I can, actually. Let me just find out what time that was. Yeah, I can isolate that. And it's great, too, because I can go back and edit that over everything he ever says on the show from now on. Oh, boy. Okay, let's get into some of these other teams. Let's go to Toronto, where the Maple Leafs lost to Ottawa 6-2 over the weekend, and they are in full meltdown mode in Toronto. I still don't think this team is... (sighs) I mean they they've known who they're going to play for a month and a half. I, I would I would be worried about the Maple Leafs when they're down 3-1 to Boston. But until then, I still think they're one of the four best teams.
0: Do you wonder if the pressure is getting to them at all? Like I don't know what to like this team is supremely talented. Now, we've we've done that all along, but why aren't they playing at a higher level? Is it just the, the is the blue line coming this issue we all knew it was going to be? Is it more than just that? I mean it's just
1: They've turned on Jake Muzzin all the way.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that, it, that it didn't, didn't take, take long. long, long yeah. I just I don't have any confidence in this team winning
1: a playoff series anymore. Because they have to go through Boston and then Tampa. And sure, then but
0: I, I'm not sure I'd pick them to beat Washington in a playoff series if they, if that was a hypothetical scenario. I think the Islanders would give them trouble. Like I, I'm not so sure this is this is a team that's just not going to make it out because of their division anymore.
1: It 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 feels like they are. It feels like Game One of their series is going to determine everything. If they go out there and get handled by Boston, then they're going to, yeah, I mean, they're going to turn on themselves within that city in terms of fans, and, and I do think the pressure will start to to really get to them. If they win that first game, though, I think they're going to look around and say, hey, we actually probably have more, at least more offensive talent. So I really, that is the one series where Game One, I mean, Game One's meaningful in every series, but that one it could really it could decide the entire series.
2: Let me ask you guys something. Do you think if Toronto goes out in the first round this year that Mike Babcock's job is in jeopardy?
0: I think he'll be on the hot seat. I don't think they'll fire him this offseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you brought this up earlier this week, Craig. I mean, Joel Quenville's name is out there.
2: He's kind of lurking out there.
1: Yeah. So if he wasn't available, I would say no chance. I mean, you give Babcock another year. The fact that, that Quenville's out there, and I know we we all think like, oh, why wouldn't he just uh, wait and take the job in Seattle? But I mean, well, no, if, if the Toronto if, job if the is, the is open, by all means, open, yeah. you take that Toronto <laughs> <laughs> it's job. A little bit different. Uh,
2: so that yeah, that's I mean, that's that's a Phil Jackson situation, like I said earlier this week, right? Yeah. You go from the Bulls, Bulls to the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe.
1: So. That that does add a twist to it. Uh, I mean, the Leafs have dropped four of their last six. Their only two wins were over Edmonton, and then a 7-6 win over Philadelphia that was not convincing at all. They're not getting backup goaltending from Garrett Sparks at all. Um, they've run Freddie Anderson into the ground. I still think that you have to look at this through the filter of Maple Leafs fans and media. I mean, the media in Toronto is certainly to blame for this as well. They just overreact and overanalyze every little thing. But they did just lose to Ottawa 6-2.
2: Yeah, that's,
0: that's not great.
2: <laughs> it's really not. There've been some uh, there've been some bad losses by teams vying for playoffs. So, but Toronto's not vying for a playoff spot, but they're they're trying to move up and they're trying to establish some kind of consistency. The Blackhawks had a really bad loss last night too, at home to Vancouver. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, Toronto right now does not inspire. I'm with Jamie on this. I I don't have any confidence in this team right now. The way they're playing. That they're going to be able to get out of the first round, especially the way Boston's playing.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the one thing you look at with Boston that's concerning is is their just mediocre road record. I mean, they're they're fifteen and nineteen essentially, 15, 13 and six on the road. with the Leafs have played a lot better away from home, but I just I look at this team and I think Boston can match their scoring in short, short spurts. Like I don't think that that's going to be a major disadvantage for them. I, I just I don't know. Uh, it's. For a team with this much talent, I feel like I should have a lot more confidence that they, they can at least do some damage in the postseason, and they still could. It's not, it's not unfathomable, but it's just, I don't have that feeling anymore.
1: I just think they're one of the few teams that are, are capable of, I mean, it's Tampa, so I. you always have to put that caveat in there, because that's such a huge roadblock, but they could easily, not easily, but Toronto could win three series. I mean, it wouldn't It wouldn't. They have the talent. It, the,
0: I, I guess <sighs> the, other, the other thing that's really interesting about it, which is apropos of nothing, but <laughs> That's
1: with, the name of the show.
0: With 10 games left in the season, the Maple Leafs still haven't been to a shootout yet. Yeah, that is
1: weird. They
0: might go the whole year.
1: Um, if they were playing like this and the season ended this week and the playoffs were starting in like two days, then I would say, okay, yeah, you have to probably pick Boston in that series. But Toronto's still got 10 games to turn it around, not in the sense that they have to go like 9-1 and one or 8-2 and two in those those 10 games, but they just need to... Get their heads back on straight heading into the playoffs and and get rid of that perception that they are a little bit dysfunctional or that they hear the the voices of the media or the fans or that they can't handle the pressure. The problem for them is they do close out with Carolina, Tampa and Montreal who might be fighting for a playoff spot but if they if they turn around these next 10 games i still think that's one of the top teams to beat
0: well, well what do you need to see from them because we know it's going to be in some form or fashion toronto and boston for seven games whether where the seventh game is we don't know yet but what do you need to see from toronto to make you confident enough to pick them to beat the bruins in the seven game series not in the first round?
1: giving up 23 goals in four games <laughs>
2: Yes. Um, yeah, also wins.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's fair. Win- winning yeah. is, I guess, important.
2: Yeah, they got to establish something going into the playoffs. I mean, look, there, there are teams that have gone into the playoffs ice cold and turned it around, so I'm not saying that's a death knell for them, but that's not inspiring much confidence. And in their playoff situation with the path they have to take, that's not a good thing. Don't you think there's – this
1: is tough to measure, but I mean, there seems to be an element of they just don't look like they're having fun, and maybe you never will this time of year in Toronto. I because mean, it's just it's so it's such a serious business to so many people there, and and Maple Leafs fans don't seem like they are having fun either, even when the team wins. But.
2: I mean, And, a team and like, the coach is so much fun, too.
1: <laughs> but like Carolina, Boston, I mean, Tampa wins all the time, so it's easy for them. But there's a lot of teams around the league that, you know, they take it seriously, but they also seem to be enjoying this on some level, too. Toronto, it just seems like it's such a grind at this point, which is crazy for a team that's 19 games above 500.
0: Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, the Toronto pressure is real. The reality is, is this is a team that is still very young, they're, this is a team that probably shouldn't be more than a one-ish playoff series victory type of team for where they are in the process because of their division. Like, It's not the end of the world if they lose in seven games in the first round. It's not the end of the world if they win one series and get destroyed by Tampa. Like, That's not that's not the end of the world. It's going to feel like it in Toronto, and they're going to pretend that it is. I was going to
1: say, you go to Toronto and tell them it's not the end of the world when they lose to Boston in Game 7.
0: But it, it's... It is what it is there. Like, again, this team, it's not like this team is about to, is about ready to implode. Like, this is not their last shot at this. But I I know it's Toronto. Trust me. I know. I know. I'm a Yankees fan. I understand the philosophy of you have to win two World Series in one season or it's a failure. I get it. I understand the pressure that they're facing. It's just the reality is it's not going to be the end of the world. What happens though? Let's
1: let's say they don't make it out of the first round. And I know you're saying they're not going to implode, but. I mean, is there a way they self-destruct in the off season? Do they make some stupid trade? And well, of overreact? course, there's
0: always a way you could self-destruct. I mean, they could hire Schiorelli, okay. do it in do it in heartbeat, that's,
2: that's but <laughs> that's not happening. But, but I, you know, I mean, they they, they they would need to do something in the off season. Look, they they probably just need to do it for optics and for sort of the psychology of the team. But I think we've all been in agreement on this forever that it should be on their blue line, and if if possible, they should hang on to all the forward talent that they've got. There's just so much there to work with. They just need a little help on their blue line, and and they just need maturation. But whether they'll have the patience for it, I suspect they will because of the way that organization is now run. But there is the pressure of being in that market. (laughs) There is the availability of Joel Quenville, and they do have some cap issues. So we'll see how they manage it all.
1: Let's look at uh, some of the other teams around the Eastern Conference. Tampa Bay, who we just saw last night against the Coyotes, still on pace to break the record for wins in a season. I've said this in the past, and it hasn't changed. I think the most impressive thing to me about Tampa Bay, and Dan Rosen tweeted this out last night too, they have had this all locked up for, and they've had that division locked up for two months. Everybody's everybody's known for a while they're going to have the best record in the NHL and they're going to win the President's Trophy. They haven't let up at all. It's crazy.
2: Had a chance to uh, stand in on the uh, media scrum with John Cooper yesterday, the Tampa Bay Lightning coach, of course. And it's it's interesting to hear him talk. You know, in these situations, coaches often have to manufacture motivation for their team because, well, now, especially now, everything's locked up for Tampa. They're they're the President Trophy winner. But and he was talking. He was he was still he was trying to play that game a little bit last night, talking about how the Coyotes had won four of the last five, and they're just a tough out. For the team, And then he was looking down the road at some of the teams that are battling for playoff spots and that they'd have to come hard against those teams. But he also admitted in that same conversation that he really hasn't had to manufacture that sort of motivation, that this team has just been dialed in all season. That's obviously a credit to the players, to the leadership group. But, man, when we're talking about Jack Adams candidates, I, I hope John Cooper is in that conversation. I hope he is one of the finalists. I know he has a ton of talent to work with, but to get that talent to operate at this level all season long is so impressive.
1: It is remarkable. I mean, that team, and I know that last night they're playing a Coyotes team that had actually handed them their worst loss of the season earlier in the year. So they're less likely to just try to coast through last night's game. But every time I watch them play, they are treating it like it's... They're treating these games like they're more important than they treated game seven against Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That's
0: where you manufacture your motivation. You put on the last two games of the Eastern Conference Final from last year and say this is never ever happening again. Yeah. <laughs> and and to me this Yeah, that,
2: that this, worked against Washington when they played Washington, but it, it's tougher when you're playing, you know, Carolina or other teams.
1: This season just makes that those last two games of that series last year that much more. Befuddling because it just didn't make any sense the way they just went into a shell against the Capitals. Um, the President's Trophy and and winning that, Craig, do you want to dispel this myth? I got into it with somebody this morning before the show who was like, "No, if you win the President's Trophy, you're done."
2: Why does that myth persist when there there is factual evidence showing it's not true that if you get the top seed, you have a much better chance of winning the cup than any other seed? You, you've seen these these odds, right? You've seen the the percentages of how teams have fared over the years. If you're a lower seed, you're far less likely to win the cup. It's still better to be a high seed.
0: Yeah. Always. Like, always. Like, this, is this is
2: silly. Th- Why does this stuff persist? Because some president's trophy winners have lost. Yeah, the number one seed doesn't always win. And that's part of what's great about the NHL is that it's a little more wide open than some other sports NBA. <laughs> but in the end, you look at the odds, you look at the percentages, it's still much better to be a number one seed in this uh, in the playoff
0: format. I, I always say this because these, these myths come up around the sports world. There is never, ever, ever, ever a time where you would rather lose than win. I'm sorry. Period. End of story. There's never a time you would rather lose than win if you're a playoff team. Like, there, it just... It's not... It just makes no sense to me. Like You don't want the President's Trophy because, because why? Was it better to go on the road in the second round? Like I, I don't understand this. I, I get that, like Craig said, the President's Trophy teams, they don't always win. That's fine. That's not the end of the world. That has nothing to do with this Tampa team. Whoever, the San Jose Sharks teams of the mid-2000s have absolutely nothing to do with the current Tampa Bay Lightning roster. And I hate that we try trying yeah, to drag other players from other eras and other teams from other years and say, "Well, that happened to them."
2: Right? It, yeah, it's just bad analysis.
1: Tampa doesn't have the sort of pressure. I mean, look, they're gonna they may set the all time record for uh, best record in a season. They they certainly could set the record for most wins in a season. So there's going to be pressure if we get to the second round of the playoffs and they're down two nothing in the series. Don't get me wrong, but they sure. don't have that external pressure that a lot of these other markets would have if Toronto was doing this, or if Pittsburgh, or if Chicago, or you know any of the, any Canadian team, and, and a lot of the, the teams that have a storied history, if they were going out there, can you imagine if Toronto had the best record in hockey and then was down 2 nothing in the first round to the Boston Bruins? <laughs> that might happen next year. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. I, do, I do think it's cup or bust for the, the Lightning this year, and I do think there's pressure but you're right, compared to a lot of other markets, just not Not just the Canadian markets. uh, They they don't face a lot of pressure in this market. It's really tough to equate a beach community with pressure. (laughs) Just just not feeling it down here in Tampa. Not feeling it. Now in Fort Lauderdale.
0: but, But with Tampa, I think the pressure there is warranted. Like I think where you have an issue is when the pressure exceeds your talent level or where you are on your progression timeline. Like Tampa, they are, you've been the best team in hockey three of the last four years. You need to win a cup out of this, period. Like, it, it will be a massive disappointment if they don't win a Stanley Cup in this era of the Lightning. For Toronto, they're, they're having a similar amount of pressure, even though they are not there yet. That is when it can crush your team. For Tampa, you, you, it's your time. You're clearly the best team in hockey, and you're, you were clearly the best team in hockey last year, and now you're head and shoulders above even that team.
1: What is their weakness? Because to me, the only area I see that is question mark is how they respond to adversity because they haven't had to respond to it all year. So there are teams in this league that have less talent, but you know how they're going to respond when they're backed into a corner. We don't know what Tampa would look like in that position, and they're not going to find out until the playoffs. And how do they respond to the
0: adversity of being up 3-2 in a series?
1: <laughs> well, we have seen yeah. that, and it doesn't yeah. go well.
0: <laughs> look, I, I, to, I to me, the only way Tampa doesn't win the cup is if if Vasilevsky gets hurt. Like I think that's, that's the path for them to not win the cup.
2: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this, Luke, too, because there's the possibility they could place they could face the Penguins in the first round. I'm, I'm curious about that. I know you're you're down on your Penguins right now. I get it. He hates I, them. I understand. Yeah, you're are terrible. You, have, you, have, you have emotionally divested from the Penguins now.
1: <laughs> no, they're they're fine until the last minute of games, and then they just they only play 59 minutes.
2: I just wonder with their finishers, you know, if, if if Pittsburgh can get a lead on Tampa, does it does it turn sour for the Lightning? I don't know. I I don't think that they're if that's their path, and then they have to face Boston or Toronto, and then maybe Washington in the conference final. Whew, that's a brutal path.
1: That is, they do have a potentially brutal path for the the season they've put together. I mean, if they face anybody that's half decent in the first round, the the series that I think will get them is, is whoever wins the Toronto Boston series. Uh, Washington obviously did last year, I mean, but that, that's that's a much tougher path than say the Capitals who may end up going through like Columbus and Carolina to get to the Eastern Conference Finals you know, I mean Tampa's going to have to go through Toronto or Boston yeah, potentially Pittsburgh in the first round um, I just I'm kind of with Jamie, I, I unless something happens to Vasilevsky or they mentally self-destruct nobody should beat them this season they're so good in every area of the game. It's 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 unreal. Uh, let's look at some of these other teams in the East. Montreal is probably going to miss. What are you doing if you're the Canadians this offseason?
2: Golfing. Um, <laughs> spending time at the beach. Uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing, I guess. Building for the future. I, I, We talked about this on the last podcast. I think the Canadians are in probably the worst possible position. A team that's just going to miss the playoffs. So they're not going to get a great draft pick, and they're not going to get the experience of playing in the postseason. So I don't think this was a good season for the Canadians overall, but they have to keep building. There's, there's a lot that they still need there. Yeah, I mean,
1: and they're having a good season. That's the thing you have to remember. In the Eastern Conference, a couple teams are going to miss that might have actually made it in the Western Conference. So. I just don't know what Montreal can do. I mean, in terms of prospects, Kokaniemi's already there. It's not like they have this huge pipeline of, of can't-miss prospects coming up. And to your point, Craig, if they miss, they'll probably have the last pick in terms of the lottery in the draft. So it's not like they should get a sure-fire impact player right away either.
0: No. Yeah, and,
2: that's exactly it. Go ahead, Jamie.
0: No, And look, they need help on their blue line, I think, long-term. I mean, that that's where you need... but you're kind of hamstrung by a lot of the deals you have. You have Shea Weber signed for the next forever at f- almost $8 million. You have Carey Price signed for forever at $10.5 million. Like Part of the issue is, is you're going to have to find young options that, are, that you grow into those positions. You can't really go out and fill a lot of those holes in free agency.
1: What about Columbus now? I mean, if Montreal misses, it looks like Columbus is going to get in despite the Penguins' best efforts to get Philadelphia in every time they play them. It looks like the Blue Jackets right now would play Tampa in the first round.
0: LOL. <laughs> <laughs>
2: can we just chuckle? Is that enough of a comment? Lightning in three.
1: Is. <laughs> uh, the Islanders are back in first. Jamie loves them.
0: Tell us why. I, I'm t- that team is going to make the Eastern Conference Finals, and what? nobody's going to expect it to. No, they're not. Defense and goaltending and uh, system hockey can work when you have teams in the, co- in the division that they have. Like, yes, Washington's heating up, and I still think Washington's probably winning this division in the end, in these final ten games here, but the Islanders are going to cause problems for people. They are not as talented as Pittsburgh or Washington or Tampa or Boston or Toronto. They're not, but they're going to cause problems for people because they play frustrating hockey, and they are getting goaltending that is playing well above at least the level of talent that we thought they had in net going into the season.
1: Like Washington, like I was just describing, they they would have an easier path than Tampa. So. We keep coming back to how flawed this playoff system is. That's what Toronto should be doing in the offseason, is focusing on getting this fixed. Whenever, if they, don't, if they don't make it to the Stanley Cup, they should be focusing on that.
0: I mean, although right now they have 91 points. So they would be the, what, the fifth team? They yeah. They would be playing Washington in the first round. Is that, is that better?
2: Uh, can, we, uh, can we put division realignment on the docket as well?
1: Yeah, that's fine. I'm good with that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay.
2: At our own GM meetings,
1: this is, yes, we should have a GM meetings podcast in the uh, in the summer. We totally should. I think so too. Can we do it from Boca? Oh, absolutely. Book us a hotel right now since you're nearby.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Use right. your use your card and we'll uh, we'll pay you back. Maybe. Uh,
1: gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie trailed off. Yeah. I think we lost how, him.
2: How, how long is how long is that drive?
1: From here to there.
0: Yeah,
2: maybe you should start now.
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take a lift. Uh, quickly on the Penguins, Crystal Tang is still hurt. And Evgeny Malkin got hurt. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but as somebody that has broken his ribs twice playing hockey, it sure looked like broken ribs for Evgeny Malkin, mm-hmm. or cracked ribs. And they are saying he's weak to weak. So if week to weak means we think we're going to make the playoffs and we don't want to make these ribs worse and we'll just bring him back in the first round of the playoffs, that's one thing. If he's actually going to miss any time in the playoffs, they have no chance.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. But we've seen what players play through in the playoffs, so we'll see.
1: Uh, let's get to the West, where the Chicago Blackhawks look like a playoff team. Craig?
2: Oh, You're saying this after last night, after they lost at home to the Vancouver. Well, no.
1: I'm sticking to they're it because I said it yesterday. Narrative. I'm sticking no. to it because I said it before the game, and yeah, they still look like a playoff team.
2: I, I know. They, I, they're they definitely in the mix. They're on the, the very perimeter of the playoff mix right now, but I, I just, you know, for me... I, it was weird to see them not be able to score against Vancouver. I admit that because that's the one thing that they've been doing well and they've been defending a little better. But in this short sample size of success, it, it's, it's nice for Chicago fans to think that the Blackhawks might be back. They might be on a run here. But I just, I still see so many flaws with this team. And I still, even with Corey Crawford back in that and playing well right now, I still don't believe in the way this team defends. How, how about the 29 shots they allowed to Toronto in the third period? 29 shots. Are you kidding me? Is that the bad? Team can't defend. I just don't think that they can stay consistent enough down the stretch to get into the playoffs. I could be wrong.
1: I, I wouldn't – I wouldn't look at them in the playoffs and be like, oh, this team could do some damage because of the, what you just said. I mean, you have to be able to defend in the playoffs. But I definitely see a path. I see a path where them and the Coyotes both make it in the, uh, the Western Conference. I'm not totally sold on Dallas, and I I just don't take Minnesota seriously.
0: I just think you're running out of time at this them. point. You're just running out of time. This is not a 100-game season. I can't see them jumping three, four teams in 10 games
1: But here. they're only four games out of a spot, and they have a game in hand on it. Yeah, everybody. but four
0: points is at some point, point. you have 10 games. Like, I mean, it's it's going to be... I mean, what what record do you realistically think they're going to finish with? Yeah, if they finish eight and two or nine and one, then sure they have the opportunity there. But even if they win six or seven of their final ten, it's going to be really tough for them to jump all of those teams. Well,
1: I'm trying to see because they only play Detroit, Ottawa, and Vancouver this season. So think I'm they're trying what, trying Philadelphia to Philadelphia next. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've got. I'm trying to pull up the schedule on this. Uh,
0: they come to Arizona oh, next week. Oh, yeah, the annual spring training game.
1: Yeah, we should point out the uh, the air against the Blackhawks at home, the Avalanche, the Wild at home, all in the same week. That that's going to decide a if they make. There's players.
0: your opportunity, yeah. right? That that's that's all you want the opportunity to "quote unquote" control your destiny and all that garbage. But okay. that's there. There it is. You have the teams coming in front of you. Win those games, and you'll be in. Chicago's
1: schedule actually finally does start to get a little more difficult here. Philadelphia, Colorado twice, the Coyotes, the Sharks, L.A., Winnipeg, St. Louis, Dallas, and Nashville. So those are all teams that are either in or contending for playoffs. Now, this makes up for the fact that over the last month, and, and to Craig's credit, he said this about a month ago, they don't play anybody for a while, and they didn't. It just it really felt like it was Detroit and Anaheim and L.A. and Vancouver and Montreal over and over and Detroit again. But uh, they did what you're supposed to do. I mean, they won most of those games. They've at least pulled themselves back in it. I just think if we get to the last week of the season and there's four teams separated by two points fighting for two spots, I'm going to take the one with all the offensive firepower that Chicago has. Patrick Kane's over 100 points again.
2: Oh, What a season he is having. What a season he is having. If it weren't for uh, the guy down in Tampa, he'd probably be the MVP this year. Mm -hmm. He's still
1: going to be a finalist, right? Even if they miss the playoffs?
2: I think so, just because he's Patrick Kane. But I still, you know, when I when I talk about MVP candidates, the uh, the, uh, the the playoff berth matters to me. It really matters to me. That's that's a big part of the equation.
1: So what are you going to do when when Chicago and Edmonton both miss the playoffs and McDavid is a, a Hart Trophy finalist and Patrick Kane isn't?
2: Well, I, I just won't vote for either of them. Number one.
1: <laughs> uh, let's. Any of these other teams in the uh, the West standing out to you? I, I'll tell you what stands out to me is the fact that Vegas looks a lot better than they did a year ago when they went to the Stanley Cup?
2: They're on a little bit of a roll here, aren't they? They're going to be very interesting to watch in the playoffs. They put a, a licking on the San Jose Sharks in San Jose last night. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. Again, I, I, we've been saying this for a while. I don't know what's happening in the West because I see flaws with every one of these teams. Vegas went to the Cup Final last year. There's no reason they can't do it again. They're 9-1 in their last 10. I think they're a better team than they were last year. Sure, put them in the put them in the list of like five teams in the West that could go to the Cup Final or be out in the first round.
1: Yeah, they just hammered San Jose last night. I, nobody is standing out right now. Winnipeg, we've talked about, they're kind of just floating. I mean, Nashville, They've been
0: playing a little bit better lately, but yeah, they don't look as dominant as they were last year.
1: Nashville, it just feels like something's missing in, through the lens of, are you a Stanley Cup contender? This,
0: uh, do they have a little bit of... And I know it's not the same team, but just the feeling going in. Do you feel like they are a little bit of what we felt like Washington was last year? Uh, just completely post-hype. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. Maybe they'll win a series. Nobody's really paying attention to them. But they still have a ton of pieces there. Like I don't have any confidence in them to do anything. But I can't, <laughs> act, I can't act like I would be shocked. If they came out of the West.
1: I wouldn't be shocked, but they just, with Washington last year, it was like, but what if Ovechkin really gets going? Or, oh, who on Nashville do you look at and say, like, oh, what if, if who?
0: Yeah, but you got Rene and 8,000 great defensemen. I mean.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, they could grind out some series, but at the same time, if you are a, let's say you are a Coyotes fan and your team, if they get in, who do you, who of the realistic teams that you could play in the first round do you want to play? You want to play Calgary, San Jose, Winnipeg, or Nashville? Calgary. Calgary. Really? Yes. Even a, a, from I, I a Coyotes want, perspective, I
0: want the team with the shakiest gold ending.
1: I would I'd, in that scenario, I'd rather play Nashville because you know all those games are going to be close. Sure, but from
2: the Coyotes' perspective, that's who I'm picking to Nashville. But I, I understand what Jamie's saying because Calgary has Calgary has significant concerns in goal in the playoffs. They just They've been such a tough matchup for
0: the Coyotes this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's true. And, and look, and they, they play a bunch. And, and Nashville would be my second choice. My concern is that Nashville is just the Coyotes but better. Like that, they are basically what the Coyotes could be in a couple years. Oh, yeah, and I and I, and I just on paper,
1: yeah, I think the Coyotes could beat Nashville in a series. I don't know that they could beat Calgary right now. But the, With the four games that we've seen this season,
0: I know, I know, but boy, that goaltending.
1: But, I mean, to your point, if I were Chicago and I were making the playoffs, I would probably want Calgary. I mean, if Chicago plays Calgary in the first round of the playoffs, that's interesting. I know Calgary will be favored. I wouldn't feel real confident in them at that point because then all of a sudden your shaky goaltending gets exposed when you give up six goals in the first game.
0: I mean, right now the matchup would be Calgary, Arizona and Winnipeg, Dallas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I noticed you didn't say Minnesota in there.
0: I'm very happy I didn't say Minnesota in there. Although, I-, I wouldn't rule it out. We're all hoping. Yeah.
2: We're all hoping. We're all hoping.
1: And that's not just a Coyotes thing. I've heard that from a lot of people, even nationally. That just any, any, coyotes are a great story. Colorado would be fun to watch. Chicago is somehow a, an interesting story now. Just anybody but Minnesota. Which, again, Minnesota's a great state for hockey. But their hockey team doesn't need to be boring. taking up a playoff spot this year. Uh which team currently in the playoffs do you guys not trust?
2: I think Jamie just answered, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess he did. I mean,
0: we should say non-wildcard team cuz that would just be too easy. But yes, Calgary, I don't trust. Um I want to. I really really want to. You guys know how many years I've been talking up the Calgary Flames. The genesis of the non-linear progression team was was Calgary. <laughs> but that goaltending just it is so much more subpar than anybody else that looks like it's going to make the playoffs in the west that it really scares me when you have that declaring of a weak spot.
2: I uh I would I, I love the season they're having and I love their coach. I think he's done an incredible job, but I still don't trust the Islanders.
1: Yeah, I I mean if we're going non-wild card, if we're going wild card, I don't trust Dallas, but if we're going non-wild because even like Columbus, I know that they they handled the uh the trade deadline very oddly, but if they're in, that's not a team that's necessarily a free win. Yeah, I'd probably go with the Islanders just because of all the of all the teams in the East that are that are in a top three spot. I just can't envision them making the Stanley Cup.
0: They're the least talented of any of those those three top three division winners. Like they are. Again, I don't I don't expect them to get to the conference final. I'm just said I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah,
2: they, I, think- I mean the goaltending has been the, the the great thing for them, the story for them this year, going from league worst goals against the league best. It's interesting that the narrative out there is, you know, some of the knock on Barry Trotts as coach of the year is where would they be without the goaltending? Well, how about giving Barry Trotz some credit for what the goaltending is? I know he's not the goalie coach, but they play a very structured system, and that really helps the goaltenders. That's a big part of the success of those goalies. When you look at the names of the guys they've gotten net, I mean, come on. Nobody's, nobody's calling those guys the elite goaltenders of the NHL. They're benefiting from a very good system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which, I mean, maybe that's more stable than expecting your goalies to win you games in the playoffs. Maybe the actual system in front of them is is more stable. I'm, I, I'm not trying to discount. I mean, if they play Pittsburgh or Columbus or Carolina in the first round, it's certainly a winnable series. But I just don't see them going further than that. In terms of this was supposed to be Canada's year to win the Cup, and they still could. <laughs> But we're now down to three teams that are going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I think we can we can safely roll Ottawa out. Um, yeah. Vancouver, Montreal's Montreal. Obviously not
2: out quite yet. But they're, their next game's at Philadelphia, and Philadelphia's still nipping at their heels, still trying to get in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see the Canadians making it in. So, yeah, you're talking about three teams at this point. Toronto, as we mentioned earlier, has its issues. So I guess it's down to two teams in the West.
1: Well, okay, so if, if the question is who who is – if 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 you if I told you one of these three teams, Toronto, Calgary, or Winnipeg, is going to win the Cup, which one are you picking?
2: Winnipeg. Winnipeg.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going Winnipeg. I still think Toronto's better than Winnipeg. But I would go Winnipeg, then Toronto, I then Calgary. don't know that they are.
2: I, I don't think Toronto is yet. I think they can be. I think they have the talent to be better than Winnipeg. I just don't think they're at that point on their... Non-linear progression. Oh no,
0: that's the word. Of Although the, year. I, I would really, really, very, really, really enjoy a Winnipeg-Toronto series. It's not going to happen.
1: Really, 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 very, really. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could absolutely happen. Those are two of the five teams that could win the Stanley Cup this year. I, uh, let's put it this way: if if Toronto was in the Central and Winnipeg was in the Atlantic, which would be all sorts of confusing, I'd be saying Toronto. I, I do think they're a better team, but Winnipeg. Winnipeg doesn't face that pressure either. I don't. I don't think that the entire city is going to turn on them if they fall behind in the first round, two to one, in the, in the series. Because yeah, they have right.
0: nothing else to turn to.
1: Oh, wow, that's that's rude. That's just a mean, unprovoked shot at Winnipeg. How about some uh, draft lottery odds, gentlemen? You want to look at these? Hey, look. Not really. Uh, <laughs> you get out. <laughs> Uh if the draft lottery goes the way it's supposed to, Colorado will pick first. <laughs> if
0: the draft lottery goes the way it's supposed to. Because that's adorable.
1: Ottawa is uh I don't know what i is
2: thinking. Which Canadian team has the best odds of landing the number one pick? Ottawa. That's how you should decide where <laughs> Jack Hughes is going. Well? <laughs> no. Actual odds.
1: Oh Edmonton.
2: Yeah. So Okay. Oh there you go. There you go. So Jack Hughes and Edmonton. Okay.
0: What a what
1: a stunning turn of events
0: that H- would be. How many centers will it take? <laughs> To make we, the Edmonton Oilers relevant again. How
1: many uh, franchise players can <laughs> that we put like a on joke. the team? <sighs> yeah. What? Okay, that's
0: well. Then they might be able to trade Dreisaitl, Luke. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, they'll just get
1: another one next year. Of all the teams that are in this lottery right now, I, like I know it would anger people if Chicago won, and I'd be on that list too because they might make the playoffs. But like, people are going to be upset if LA or Detroit or the Rangers get Jack Hughes, Edmonton. Edmonton is the one that can't get him. By the way, Buffalo has a pretty good shot at getting him now, too. Ah,
2: that's they're, they're Edmonton East. Yep. They have no idea what to do with high draft picks either.
1: <laughs> they tend to pick the right guy, they just make him disappear into oblivion after they draft him.
2: Yeah, it's bizarre. Vancouver it's bizarre. would be a fun team. Yeah. That would yeah, be Vancouver a good one. Has, if you're looking at teams that have had. Lottery luck, like the Coyotes, the Canucks are the first team on that list. They've had awful luck in the lottery as well. So that would be fun to see him playing alongside Pedersen.
1: Well, and Anaheim right now is the fifth best odds. Didn't they were – it was them or Pittsburgh for Crosby, right? So, I mean, that qualifies as having bad luck in the lottery. Yeah, let's talk about that. end up getting...
0: The gifting of Crosby to Pittsburgh. They, did you, had you seen Pittsburgh the previous, like, four years? Yeah, they,
1: were they were falling down on penalty shots. That's but not a, an exaggeration. A, at least they
0: turned all their top picks into something.
1: I'm, I'm permanently emotionally scarred by watching Milan Kraft on a penalty shot fall. <laughs> and just lose <laughs> that. <puck. laughs> it has stuck with me all these years.
2: In uh, fairness, they have lowered the blue line a bit since then. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: good. That should help them out. Uh, let's get back to the Jack Adams. I know Craig mentioned it briefly uh, earlier. Adam Gretz had that story where he – I'm assuming it's the one you were talking about, Craig, where he ranked the, his top eight Jack Adams candidates?
2: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a ranking. He just made arguments for and against them.
1: I think there's five legitimate candidates this year. And it's – I know everybody here just wants to talk about talk it and, and honestly, I mean, if the Coyotes – I know if they make the playoffs, they'll be a finalist and, and probably, honestly, should win – even if they miss the playoffs by a point, I still think he should be a finalist for what he's done. But John Cooper, yep. Barry Trotz, mm-hmm. Bill Peters, and Rod Brindamore, who we don't talk about. Yeah,
0: Brindamore deserves a little bit more love. Yep.
1: Brindamore's essentially, yep. he's not doing what Tockett has done in the East because he hasn't had the injuries, but it's the same type of
2: candidate. Yeah, I I, the show. I think that's a good list. right? Yeah, you did break the show. Let me. Let me. Uh, well, did you? Did you guys look at the uh, Gretz story?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now.
2: Okay. What What do you think about Craig Barube? Since he took over, St. Louis has obviously done some pretty special things. Do they need to climb a little higher? Is it Is it not all that impressive that St. Louis is just actually realizing their potential and in third place in the division? Yeah. Not Not this en- year. Not enough.
1: That's not enough for me this year because of the five candidates I just rattled off. I think any of them would have finished first or second the last few years. Like there, this is actually. Been a, a banner year for really good yeah. coaching performances.
0: Yeah, in a different year, maybe. I mean, because there is an argument to be made of you took a team that was vastly underperforming and in that same season helped them get back to where they needed to be, but not with all these other candidates.
2: Yeah, it, it's a tough one. This is this is as tough a year as I can remember because I can make I can make strong cases for four of those guys. I, I guess brenda is on that list too, but. I look at those other four guys. We talked about Cooper earlier. Just the ability to get this team playing at this level consistently is really impressive to me. Uh, Barry Trotz turning around the Islanders when everyone thought that they were just going to fall to the bottom of the East. And they're such a good defensive team now. Rick Tockett, if he get this team into the playoffs with their injuries, those are all incredibly strong candidates for this award. And, and Bill Peters.
1: And I know when we when we were talking about this a, a month or two ago before it really before the the talk it campaign took off nationally our you know we all kind of thought okay it's the coyotes are going to do something really remarkable because they're not on anybody's radar right now and and it turns out so far they have done something really remarkable but Rick talk it's getting a lot of buzz nationally now.
0: yeah i I started to see it's interesting kind of watching the national Public f- see what's going on in, in Arizona because I, I think it was NBC uh, or somebody was tweeting out when when the Coyotes finally climbed into that playoff spot, ended the night in a playoff spot, and NBC Sports or somebody tweeted about it. And like reading the mentions of people going, "Oh wow, that's what an amazing job talking must be doing." Yeah,
2: like isn't like, that isn't that funny? Like I wrote this story. I first wrote about this back in January, but I think Pierre LeBron was actually the first one to get people really noticing it. You know, obviously, Pierre has a lot of influence. But he wrote the column a while back, and since then, a number of national outlets have jumped on. A few of the local outlets in, in Arizona have written about it recently. It does seem like the buzz has just grown recently. Yeah,
1: it does. It also feels like there i – I've noticed two things either, and I'm sure you know you guys have noticed this as well. But A, the reaction is is mostly – I think people are are sort of hopping on board of it's a cool story. If you are a fan of a team that the Coyotes aren't playing. The other thing though, from, from radio interviews I've done out of town, it is, it is remarkable how many, how many people that haven't seen them much this year want to attribute it to like, they have to find one player. Oh, it's because of this guy. Oh, it's because of that guy. And people now are starting to attribute it to Darcy Kemper, which if you have to attribute it to one player, it is that guy. But I, I mean, the thing that stands out the most to me about the Coyotes, and it's probably an advantage they have over some of these other opponents they're facing, they are more of a team than most teams I've seen.
2: C- completely agree with that. I mean, they're look at their leading goals, goal scorer. he have 17 goals right now. They may not have a 20-goal score this season. They're getting it from all over the lineup. Granted, they're not getting a lot from anybody, and they've got still have, got a couple key guys out of the lineup, but they have had to play this way. Rick Tockett has said it himself. In a weird way, the injuries were probably a little bit of a blessing for this team because they really had to buy into this simpler approach of how to play games. You watch this team. I, I know people are talking about Darcy Kemper, and he deserves a lot of credit. He's been fantastic in goal, and he is he's shown he can be a number one goalie. But this team defends so well, and you saw it last night, against the best team in the league. They are so tight defensively, so responsible, so disciplined in in all the details, so many coaches talk about details, but this team with their body positioning, with their stick positioning, with the layers on defense, with their back pressure, it's all so good and it's all so consistent. That's the thing that defines this team for me.
0: It's also funny, Like I think if you look at the end of the year at their stat sheet, it's going to look very similar to that 2009-10 team where you didn't have one player that really excelled. I mean, Doan led that team with 55 points. I mean, yes, you had two big additions at the deadline in Wojtek Wolski and Lee Stepniak, but you had a situation where you had one player over 20 goals, nobody over 55 points, and you had consistent effort throughout the lineup and upper echelon goaltending and that is what the formula for this current Coyotes team is.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people look at those so Tippett's team made the playoffs three straight years. It was 0, 09, 10, 11, yeah. 11, 12. And obviously 11, 12 they went to the Western Conference Finals, but a lot of people look at those the the previous two years as actually the better team. Yeah, the 0,
0: 09, 10 team was the best team uh, the Coyotes have ever put on the ice in the post lockout era.
2: Yes. Yeah, Which Shane lockout? Jones' injury yeah. really hurt them there.
0: Which I still
1: don't think he's completely over, and I, I don't think most Coyotes fans are completely over the fact that he couldn't play in that uh, Game Seven against Detroit either, because Detroit was Detroit at that time was what Tampa is now, except they had won cups, so they were right. like, like and, and the
2: Coyotes were up two one in that series when mm-hmm. he got hurt. If
1: you Remember? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the Coyotes had never won a playoff series in Arizona either, so I mean there was there was a right. lots of uh, extra juice to that one. Um, let's get to listener questions here. Okay. We have one.
0: You say that's so sad. Well, no. I, I Why thought, do you
1: hate the I thought, listeners? I thought there Luke. was something that that was was big. I still wanted to hit on, but I can't remember it. Okay. Uh, Loyal Sif writes in second okay. straight week that he has uh, written in with a Darcy Kemper trade question. But this comes up because Craig just brought this up. Of, of Kemper has shown that he can be a number one. I don't think it would be a bad thing for the Coyotes to go into next season with two number one goalies. But uh, here's the question. Coming at you guys with another trade question, let's say the Yotes trade Kemper, what would be a realistic return? My trade, I don't know if it's realistic, would be Kemper to Florida because they desperately need goaltending for Frank Vetrano. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.
2: I got to admit, I haven't thought about a trade scenario for the Coyotes. I, I I still think, my my gut still tells me they go into the season with both of these guys. So they're They're not going to make any decisions right now and a lot can happen between now and then, and you need you need Ante Raz to prove that he can be healthy next season. So I just think it makes sense, especially when you look at the NHL today. It has become a league where you need two solid goaltenders. The the number of games played for the elite guys has dropped. I think the game is more demanding on goalies than it used to be because of the speed. So I think the best move for the Coyotes is to keep both of these guys because you're going to need them both at some point in the season. That's just we've seen that the last two seasons. You're going to need. Both of these goalies, Darcy Kemper's under contract uh, for another year at a really good price. It doesn't make much sense to move him, and I don't don't know that you could get requisite return for a guy who's still considered a backup goalie, right?
1: I I don't know what you would... I mean, they're they're set on defense, so to me, if I'm trading Kemper, I'm trading him either for a legitimate, I know this guy's going to get me 25 to 30 goals, which you're not going to get for Kemper, or I'm looking for a goalie that is Kemper. So I don't know that I'm trading him.
0: Or a right-handed defenseman. I'm, I'm, if somebody gives you a top four right-handed defenseman, I'm not sure that's the end of the world either. But to me, I, I look at this situation... I do do that, though. No. I, look, I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I'm with Craig. I, I, I think they're going to go into the season with both goaltenders. That
1: means you're also with me.
0: Uh, yeah, but I don't like saying that. Okay. I, I think that's the smartest... Both in the short term and long term for the Coyotes in that scenario, where you you need this, you haven't gotten a full season of Antivanta, you don't you can't predict that you're just going to all of a sudden get one next year. I look at this like the Nick Foles situation with just a great cap hit. Of why would you risk when you're a team and you think is going to be in playoff contention? Why would you risk it? What is the return that you're going to get that's going to make it worth your while? And as I said on the show last week, if somebody offers you a first round pick. Or someone offers you a top prospect, by all means. But I don't think those kind of deals are going to be out there. I think that's extremely unrealistic. Yeah,
1: you're you're borderline injury proof if you have two goalies you trust in today's NHL. And you're you kind of need that it. You
0: can, I mean, look look at what if Chicago had? I mean, Chicago has a lot of other issues, but what if Chicago had Darcy Kemper as the backup to Corey Crawford? They're probably They'd a playoff be in a team playoff right, spot now. right now. Yeah. So I mean, that's a scenario where. It doesn't make sense to move somebody like that at such a reasonable cap hit unless somebody really just blows your doors off with an uh, an amazing offer, which I just can't
1: see. also remember, too, I mean, the the Coyotes... Were built to win with goaltending and defense, so there's a little extra. It's it's not like okay, I mean like Tampa. Tampa doesn't really have a great backup goalie. Louis Domingue won a bunch of games this year because the team in front of him scored seven goals a game. The Coyotes are not going to be scoring seven goals a game next year, so they they absolutely are built to still win with goaltending. What do you think this team looks like next year, Craig? Because you brought this up a little bit earlier, and you know Rick Tockett said in, in a weird way maybe the injuries helped them. I don't know, you know how much that's helping them this year, but but next year. For sure. I mean, if this team is actually relatively healthy next year, they should be a playoff team. It really shouldn't be a, a, a race that comes down to the last two games of the season again.
2: Let me answer that after adding one more thing to the goaltending discussion. Um, I think a lot of Coyotes fans are looking at Aiden Hill and saying, well, he's ready. He's ready to be the backup to Auntie Ranta." I don't agree. I don't think you have enough proof yet. I think the sample size is far too small for him. Yeah, he ha- he showed some promise when he was up here, but... The reality is NHL teams get a book on a goalie after a a certain amount of sample size. And there were issues in, in Aiden Hill's game that the coaching staff saw that the development staff saw he needs more time down in Tucson. I think that's the best move for him to let him bake for another season in the AHL. So I would not count on Aiden Hill being, you know, Darcy Kemper 2.0 next season. I just don't think that's a realistic expectation, but in terms of what the coyotes are going to look like next season, Man, Luke, it's, it's so hard to answer because you got to answer this question. What does ownership look like? What's going to happen on that front? So much of this comes down to what they're able to spend in the offseason, what they're able to do in the offseason, and I just don't think we have those answers. In terms of the personnel that they have, I mean, they got, they got a lot of guys under contract. They have RFAs that they need to handle. I don't expect any of those to be a problem. So maybe they just try and build off this season and not have the, the slow start that they had. And get up to, you know maybe they can get in a situation where they're in a solid playoff position all season. But again, they it's so hard to predict what's going to happen without knowing the ownership component of this and whether they'll be able to add another piece that can help them up front.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I like Aiden Hill, but if he was the next Darcy Kemper, he'd be the backup right now, and Kemper wouldn't be playing every single night because Kemper is literally playing every game at this point. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, to your point, I mean, I guess that's true. You don't really know who you're going to add through free agency or whatever. I do want to ask you, though, Craig, what about Richard Ponick? Because I know there was a lot of talk earlier this season that he would probably be on the way out at the trade deadline. He's actually been a pretty big contributor for them, and he's playing a little bit of defense lately, too. Is that somebody they're looking at beyond this season?
2: I don't know. I didn't even know that they have answered that question yet. I think the, the biggest thing with Ponick is I don't think there was much coming in return. The offers just weren't that great. They weren't interested in getting a third-round kick for Richard Ponick that really does nothing for your team. So they figured, we're in a playoff push. Let's hang on to him. He knows the system. He has been contributing a bit lately. But beyond this season, I don't know. I don't I don't know where they go with that. It, so much will depend, again, on the ownership situation and what else they're targeting, what else they think is available.
0: Uh, just And one other question before we move on. Just in case people didn't see your tweet, uh, what is the nature of the Kites' interest in Nail Yakupov for next season? None.
1: None. Oh, we have gotten questions about that. Okay. okay um,
2: so we just answered that.
1: W- but I don't know. You were kind of uh, unclear. What was your answer again?
2: I'm sorry. It was none. It's spelled N O N E.
1: <laughs> Can also be spelled N U N, but that's not the same answer. That's true. Uh, Az hockey nut. So of the few Hatties we've had this season, we being the Coyotes, which was the prettiest?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Huh.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brad Richardson. I say he Richardson had four goals.
0: Richardson, I think, gets the <laughs> nod there.
2: <laughs> that's that's probably a good answer. rich uh, Christian Fisher had three. Yeah, uh, these are more greasy goals.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's had a uh, weird season. What a weird what a weird season when we go back and evaluate players of sure Christian has. Fisher.
2: Yeah, he's in a tough spot right now. I mean, he's work If you seen those last few games, he's working hard. He's there's there's no problem with effort and and the want to from Christian. I just see. Man, his lack of foot speed is is really noticeable
1: lately. It's tough because he's such a good guy, and like you just said, Craig, he puts in that the effort. Guy, and he's got the size. It's it's almost like it's it's difficult to find where his role should be because earlier in the season they're asking him to be like a top six forward. Without yeah. that speed, I mean, I'd almost rather have him as as like a real solid third or fourth liner. You know, probably a fourth liner really. Whereas like Lawson Crouse, yeah. you can play him on any line because he's got the same size, but he's so much faster.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that the that the foot speed is necessarily what they're looking at the most with Christian Fisher. It is it is something that's going to hamper his game, because I don't think he's ever going to improve it that much. I don't think he can at this point. But it's it's more the details of what he does when he's in the offensive zone, you know, sustaining that forecheck, as pocket calls it, being sticky. You know, not only holding onto the puck, but being able to come out of those board battles, and do something with the puck, make a play. He's been struggling with that a little bit lately, and that's that's the area, I guess, that he should really, really focus on in the offseason.
1: Still a pretty young player, though, but yeah, I mean, certainly Absolutely. something to uh, to look for in the off A couple of these last ones real quick. Todd writes in, aside from Kemper, Almerson might be the player most responsible for the team being in playoff contention. Uh, I know Craig agrees with that. And Jamie, Is that, is that my segue? I, well, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I that was, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Either that or this is your burner yeah. account. I can't tell.
2: Uh, I, I do completely agree with that. Uh, I mean, it's just a guy. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't, you can't even do interviews with Nick Chalmerson on anything non-hockey related. They'll just shut it down. Let's talk about hockey. That's all he wants to talk about. And that's, that's how he is around the team, too. He's all business. I know that's a cliche, but he really embodies it. He is, he is the standard for work ethic on that team on and off the ice. And, and guys see it and how can you not respect it from a guy first of all that that has that personality where it, 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 when you look in his eyes it, it, there's there's a little bit of fear I think when you look in his eyes and then he's got those three cup rings from Chicago how do you not respect that and follow that model
1: it's it's working perfectly and you know you've been saying this we've really all been saying it on the show for a while now it, he's it's so under the radar and, and behind the scenes a lot of the stuff he does if you're not if you are if you're somebody that's not watching the Coyotes and you're just sort of catching on that they're a playoff contender, and like I said earlier, people try and bring up one name to attribute it to, Jalmerson's never on that list. And yet if you're watching the Coyotes, you're like, Yeah, look, look, you can pretty much rely on him in any given situation to block a shot, make just a, a fundamental defensive play, rarely turn the puck over. I mean, when he turns the puck over, it's it's like the headline of the game because he doesn't <laughs> ever turn the puck over.
2: He protects it as well as anybody when he has it. He, he often, you'll see him go to that backhand a lot when he's clear in the zone, but he, he just protects the puck so well. And his stick positioning on defense, too, is the thing that I noticed. You know, his body position is always good, but he uses his stick so effectively. Arguably, well, probably not quite as effectively as Michael Crabner does, but he's, he's a pretty close second in my mind.
1: Joseph writes in, uh, next podcast, please have the first thing you cover be the Leafs fans meltdown after getting smashed by the Senators. Well, we did that, so there you go. Uh, well,
2: we, it wasn't the first
1: thing, so I well, guess yeah, it, was it wasn't it.
0: the first thing. Oh, right.
1: We had ocean sounds. That's true. Okay, let's start over. Ready? Sorry. In three, okay. two. Uh Joe, not Joseph, writes in, at the risk of sounding like a Leafs fan, now, now in fairness to him, this is from a couple days ago. At the risk of sounding like a Leafs fan, am I wrong in thinking that the Coyotes haven't looked sharp the last few games, despite winning most of them? Complacent isn't the word I'd use, but it seems like they're getting a little sloppy.
2: No, that's fair. I, I thought the Edmonton game. You yeah, know, I think, I think if you guys heard the post game with Rick, he, you know, he was, he was saying he liked his team's effort. They're, they're working hard, and they faced a grueling schedule, and they're shorthanded. All of that's true, but I felt like after that game, he was protecting his team a little bit because he knows how much they're up against. I didn't think that they were particularly good against Edmonton, but then they come out and start the road trip, even though it was a loss in Tampa. They came out and played one of their better games of the season, to be honest. They were they were terrific last night.
1: Yeah, and he said last night it was the most proud he's been of them this season. Yeah. yeah, And that was after a loss.
0: Yeah, not all games are created equal. You beat almost any team in the league with that effort that they put on last night, just not the best team in the league. And, yeah, the Edmonton game, was just a massive, massive letdown, which... They're going to happen from time to time in, the, in a season, especially when you've been as hot as they've been.
1: They at least got a that point That one point out of it.
2: sure hurts, though, huh?
0: Yeah, They yeah, got like one
2: point, but how much would that second point mean right now?
1: That's the thing. I mean, you look back and you're like, you probably left a point on the table against Edmonton, whereas Tampa, there's not a whole lot more you could have done. Although we should, since we're going to close with this, we should mention Connor McDavid in person. That first goal he scored where he made Oliver Ekman Larson, of all people, who's a great skater, look like he was in a learn-to-skate class. And then if you're watching it, McDavid takes his left hand and just moves Oliver's hockey stick, yep. cuts around with one hand on his hockey stick, and then turns and flips it against the grain top corner against Darcy Kemper, who had no chance.
0: He's the most exciting I he- player I have ever seen in person. And it used to be Crosby when, he, when Crosby would come to town and watching the little things that he does. It, McDavid is just on a crazy level.
2: I know you guys both follow the Twitter account NHL GIFs or GIFs. Do you say GIFs? No, we say, GIFs. GIFs.
0: we say we say Gifts here. We're civilized. I, yeah, I say GIFs.
2: Good, good. I say gifts, too. But they have one. I think it's pinned at the top of the, the uh, timeline now saying, watching that specific goal, to highlight of that specific goal, saying simply, this is art. And yeah. I completely yeah. agree with it. It is, it is a beauty, a beautiful thing to watch Connor McDavid play. He won that game. He had two goals and the primary assist on the other goal. He won that game for Edmonton.
1: No, that was the definition of Connor McDavid beating a hockey team because the Coyotes played yeah. like a team. They didn't play their best game, but they played well enough where you know they got a point out of it. Connor, Mc... if Connor McDavid's not on the Oilers, the Coyotes win that game. He had he factored into a hundred percent of their points, and he does that it a lot. Feels like he
0: does that most games,
1: <laughs> as you know. To Jamie's point, too, I, you know, if you compare Crosby and McDavid, like I think as much as I like Crosby, his game appeals more to people that either watch hockey all the time or have played hockey and appreciate the little things he's doing in the defensive zone and just all the little things he does and the fact he doesn't make a whole lot of errors although he made one the other night but mcdavid is just you could never have watched a hockey game before and you're instantly going to be drawn into that
2: yeah i completely agree i just (laughs) what are you doing so,
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say maybe it would be nice to see him in the playoffs, but I guess that's not an option for us.
0: Well, yeah, we're not gonna see that. We saw it once and he was okay, yeah, and that'll be
1: it for the next like four years. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, all right, gentlemen, that's it. I'm I have run out of things to talk about unless you guys have more.
2: Craig, you want to about nothing. the ocean? I'm gonna, open my door and li- uh, I'm gonna open my door and listen to it some more.
1: Craig's gonna listen to the uh, the replay of this podcast through a seashell later on on the beach. It'll be yeah, great How, how's your view of the parking lot? Um, it's uh, it's sunny and not raining. At least it's like a perfect well, cool. seventy seven degrees out here. Good on you. All right, Craig, you go do whatever it is you do at the beach. <laughs> no speedos.
0: <laughs> do you wear dress shirts into the ocean like Luke? Hey,
2: no, <laughs> it wasn't
0: a dress shirt.
2: <laughs> Can we use a photo of that to promote the show? Luke wading into the ocean in his dress shirt.
1: I wasn't waiting. I was. I was. Uh, I was attacking. All
2: right. You were embracing it. You were embracing the ocean. Becoming twirl. one. That's right. Yeah. Becoming the, one with it.
1: dressed, nonetheless. The, the Pacific Ocean is a very cold ocean. All right. It is. This isn't about me. This is about Craig and his, uh, his beach attire. All right. For Craig Morgan in Florida, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Trick Podcast.
0: I really have nothing to add.
1: As usual.